we have God, the Comforter, the one who gives us peace. We can run to Him for relief and comfort. And ultimately, He can expel the depression in our lives. Psalm 34. Let's read verses 17 and 18 out loud together. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. You may now be seated. Now this verse, it delivers an incredibly encouraging truth. The Christian who is in trouble, or the Christian who is brokenhearted, will be filled with joy, will be filled with peace by the promises in this verse. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. We have a comforter that is present in our lives. We have a God who cares about when our heart is weeping, when our heart is grieving. He cares. He knows about it. He wants to comfort us. Now, I know that all of us here tonight have experienced seasons, chapters in our life of sadness, of sorrow. We can look back at a time in our life where we felt alone, where we felt isolated, where we felt as if nobody cared for us. I don't, I don't have to ask for a show of hands, but I'm sure all of us here, we're all adults, and we've all had seasons of life where we were depressed. Now depression, it runs rampant in our world today, right? Here are some surprising statistics regarding depression. Globally, and I'm sure this has increased, I'm sure that the number has increased, more than 264 million people suffer from depression. And that only counts those who actually admit to having it. A lot of people who are depressed, they don't admit it openly, they keep it to themselves. About 20% of teenagers suffer depression before they even reach adulthood. Suicide is the second leading cause of death in 15 to 29 year olds. Before these youth could even get their life started, before life really started for them, they took their own life because their depression was too much for them to, to bear. Every 100 minutes, a teenager takes their own life. And close to 800,000 people die of suicide annually. Another statistic is the fact that ever since the 1990s, every single year, the amount of suicides, deaths by suicide have been increasing every single year since the 1990s. Why is there so much depression today and why is it only increasing? It's not waning at all. It just keeps going up and up and people dying from suicides keeps getting higher. Now we know that there are many factors that can cause depression. The death of a loved one, abuse in the family, 
people who abuse certain substances that can cause depression, terminal illness, being told that you only have a year left to live, being bullied, heartbreak, failing to accomplish your goal or your dreams, all of these things can contribute to depression within one person's life. But tonight, I wanted to view the life of a missionary who struggled with depression throughout his entire ministry. You know, in fact, I can describe this missionary's life in three words. Based on his journals, I could summarize it by saying he was lonely, he was sickly, and he was depressed. His journals and his writings reflect this. Now, hearing that he was lonely, sickly, and depressed, you would think that this individual had a failure of a ministry. You would think that his influence in Christianhood would be very minimal. You'd think that he would be a failure, right? But that wasn't the case with David Brainerd. David Brainerd lived a victorious life. His ministry, though he didn't think it himself, was a success. His influence, though he thought it was small, is bigger than anybody would have thought it would be. He inspired men like William Carey and Jim Elliott to enter the mission field. And his testimony continues to inspire Christians today, myself included. And so today, my sermon is a little bit different because I'm going to kind of give an overview of David Brainerd's life. And from his life, I just wanted to highlight three truths. David Brainerd is a Christian hero to many, like myself. But what made him so likable and made him so interesting is he himself was very prone to feeling depressed. He was very prone to feeling dejected, which is very opposite of what many Christian heroes are like. You have Charles Spurgeon, who was known to be a very joyful and jubilant man. And on the other side, we have David Brainerd, who was very melancholic. You would think that he, would, he was always suffering somehow. But though he was depressed, what was impressive mostly from David Brainerd is that he never gave up. He never stopped. He kept on serving God despite how difficult his life was. But before we get into his biography, before we get into the truths that we can learn from his life, let's just open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the, the, the message that you place upon my heart. I thank you, Lord, for how greatly you used David Brainerd when he was alive and for the impact that he's had on many other Christians and myself as well. And I pray that we can just learn something from your word tonight through the testimony of one of your faithful laborers, David Brainerd. pray this all in your name. Amen. From his childhood, David Brainerd already was suffering great trials. At the age of nine, his father died. And just five years later, at the age of 14, David Brainerd would also lose his mother. So at the ripe age of 14, before even becoming an adult, he and his nine siblings were completely orphaned, Without, no, without any parental guidance. They were left to survive the world by themselves. But at 19, we fast forward a little bit uh, in his life, at 19 years old, that's when his interest in religion started to increase. 
You know, he was a normal boy. He didn't really think too much about religion when he was younger. But at 19, that's when he started really thinking about his future. And he started thinking about religion. At the age of 20, he committed to entering full-time ministry. He planned on beginning his journey by attending Yale College, which at the time was a Christian school. Nowadays, it's very secular. But back then, Yale was a Christian school. And at age 21, he finally put his faith in Christ. This is when he finally starts beginning his journey to becoming a minister. Two months after his conversion, Brainerd enrolled into Yale, and he got in, and he began his education to become a pastor, to become a minister in the U.S. But his college years were far from easy. It introduced a host of new trials for him. In his first year, you know, he suffered the usual hazing that you get from seniors. It's very popular in universities today. You get hazed. But the bigger issue was he was sent home for the majority of the year because of his health. At the time, he had measles, which to us is not that fatal. But back then, measles was incredibly infectious and very uh, fatal as well. They didn't have the vaccine for it yet. In his second year of college, he was sent home again because of health reasons. This time, he was spitting up loads of blood. He was coughing up a lot of blood. Unbeknownst to David Brainerd, this was actually an early sign of tuberculosis, which would be the cause of his death later on. In his third year, when he was so close to graduating and graduation was just right there, he was expelled from Yale. He insulted one of the college's staff, and he didn't want to publicly apologize, so he had to face the consequences. Being expelled from Yale means that many of his ministry opportunities was cut off. <coughs> Sorry if I cough. I'm still getting over a, a, a slight sickness. In the state that he lived in, if you wanted to be a pastor or a minister, <clears throat> they needed you to have graduated from either Yale or Harvard. They required you to have attended both of those schools in order to be a minister. But now that he was expelled from Yale, nobody was wanting him to be a minister. Nobody, everybody rejected him. He was denied ordination. Now he studied and he purposed in his heart to go into full-time ministry, but because he was expelled, what he, wanted to do, what he wanted to do has now been closed off to him, and this caused him a great deal of depression. But God wasn't done with David Brainerd yet, because in 1741, he finally had his opportunity, not to be a minister or a pastor of a church, but he was chosen by a missionary society to reach the American Indians with the gospel. He had an opportunity to be a missionary, Instead of being a minister or a pastor, God was opening a door for him to be a missionary to the natives of America. So he accepted. In 1743, that's when he finally began his ministry to the natives. But when he started to serve, when he started to labor in the mission field, his depression and his feeling of loneliness continued to increase. He wrote this in his diary. My circumstances are such 
that I have no comfort of any kind but what I have in God. I live in the most lonesome wilderness. I have but one single person to converse with that can actually speak English. I have no fellow Christian to whom I might unbosom myself or lay open my conversation about heavenly things and join in social prayer. I live poorly with regard to the comforts of life. Most of my diet consists of boiled corn and hasty pudding. I lodge in a bundle of straw. <clears throat> my labor is hard and extremely difficult and have little appearance of success to comfort me. He hasn't, it hasn't even been a year since he was in the mission field, but it started to dawn on him that he was alone there. He had no friends. He had no Christian friends. Everyone around him was surrounded by people, but no one who actually knew who to fellowship with him. They didn't speak the same language. He, was, he, already, he already had poor health, but his poor health was exacerbated because of the bad living conditions he was under. He had poor diet. He had a poor housing. He couldn't recover. And all of these conditions started to weigh on him. At this point, you would think that David Brainerd should just give up. You would think that he should just go home. If he was that miserable in the mission field, if he was that miserable in the ministry, maybe David Brainerd should just go home where it was best for him to live in, where it would be comfortable for him to live in. And he gets that opportunity. David was offered to leave the mission field, and he was offered a very comfortable position, a pastoral position, a minister position in New York. Look over here, David Brainerd. You can leave the difficult mission field right now, and you can join the pastoral staff of this church in New York. You'll live a very comfortable life here if you just take it, if you accept. You know what? David Brainerd declined that offer. He was an offer to live a comfortable life, but he declined that. Why? Because his burden to reach the Native Americans was so great. He didn't want to leave them behind. His desire to reach the Native Americans outweighed his desire to live a comfortable life. He knew that this is where God had wanted him to be, even though it was a very difficult life. In one year after he was there in, in his current mission field, he was forced to move to Delaware. Now in a completely different state, he had to restart his ministry. After toiling for a year in his last mission field, after building up a foundation, now he was forced to leave all of that behind and start anew in a different state, in Delaware. And not only that, the natives of Delaware were much less kind to him. They didn't want to hear his message. How discouraging would that be? You build a foundation over here, you think you have something good going for you, but a year later, before you can even start seeing the fruit of your foundation, you cast off now having to start all over with people that are much harsher than the last. 
It would almost seem like all the signs are pointing for David Brainerd to get out of the mission field and to just go back home and live the rest of his life in comfort. But he didn't give up. Eventually, he moved his ministry out of Delaware and he took himself to New Jersey. In New Jersey, he finally saw some success. Unlike the people in Delaware, the the natives in New Jersey wanted to listen to him. The natives were interested in listening (coughs) to his message. And just a month into his ministry in New Jersey, he was able to lead his interpreter and his interpreter's wife to Christ. It took him two years. It took him two years to finally have his first two converts. Two years of daily labor and prayer. And he finally saw the first fruits of all of his laboring. Some success, you could say. Now after the salvation of those two individuals, a spiritual awakening took place all over New Jersey within the natives. Many native people were getting saved under David Brainerd's ministry. Many were traveling miles across states just to hear him preach. (coughs) And it culminated in him having a congregation of over 100 people at one time. 130 people to be exact. When it looks like everything was going well for David Brainerd, he finally saw much fruit from his ministry. Just a couple months after he started, you know, he had a good group. Just a couple months after that, in 1746, his illness became unbearable for him. Though he really did not want to leave the mission field, everybody around him was telling him to go back home. And he himself finally realized that his health was too poor for him to stay in the mission field. So in 1746, he finally went home. In 1947, still sick, and he was still needing to be ministered to because of his tuberculosis, he would move into Jonathan Edwards' house, which everybody knows Jonathan Edwards, who was one of the men instrumental in the Great Awakening. And he would spend his last 19 weeks there in Jonathan Edwards' house. In his last entries in his diary, he would describe his illness to have been very painful. And he often wished that he could leave this present world, that he can leave his body and just be with the Lord. On October 9th, 1747, just a year later after he had to go back home, at the ripe age of 29 years old, David Brainerd finally succumbed to tuberculosis and he went to be with the Lord. David Brainerd, died of tuberculosis at the age of 29. His actual ministry length was only three years long. He only actually ministered to the natives for three years, between the ages of 25 to 28. Only three years he he actually spent ministry. (coughs) Thank you so much. I was about to ask for water, actually. Thank you. His ministry was only three years long. 
dying before he even turned 30 years old. <clears throat> if you were to tell the story of David Brainerd to the world, people would call him foolish. He could have lived a life of comfort in New York. He could have just given up on the mission field before, he, before his health took a turn for the worse. He could have just went back home and lived in luxury. And he, would, he may have lived for 40, until he was 40, 50. But because he decided to put himself under that living situation, because he decided to be in the mission field, he didn't even make it to the age of 30. And people would call David Brainerd foolish. But you know what? David Brainerd didn't regret anything. In one of his last entries in his journal, he says, Now that I am dying, I declare that I would not for all the world have spent my life otherwise. The rest of the world would call him foolish for not having spent his life much, much more wisely and, and, and choosing his health rather than the mission field. But he himself did not have any regrets. And why is that? Because he knew the mission field was where God wanted him to be in. He didn't want to run away from God's will. He didn't want to run away from what God had designed for him. He accepted God's plan. Though he died at the age of 29, and though his ministry was only three years long, his influence throughout the ages are incredible. Again, he inspired William Carey and Jim Elliot. Jim Elliot inspired many more missionaries himself, and William Carey the same. He inspired many missionaries. Hundreds, if not thousands of souls were saved, ultimately, because of the influence, because of the ministry of David Brainerd, one of the first missionaries. Now, I just wanted to draw out three truths from his life. And the first thing is that godly people can also get depressed. There are many that assume that depression is just the result of unconfessed sin. I've had two teenagers in the past talk to me, saying that they were kind of embarrassed to say that they were depressed. Because the, they thought that if they, were, they, if they told others that they were depressed, others would think that they were living in some sort of hidden sin. People would assume that because that person is depressed, he's probably doing something wrong behind the scenes. That's why he's depressed, right? But that's not the case. Depression is not always the result of unconfessed sin. It's true. Sin can definitely, can definitely lead to depression. We see that in King David's life. After he was exposed of, of having committed adultery with Bathsheba, after he was exposed to having sentenced Uriah to death, he was depressed. He grieved. He was brokenhearted. He, he, he knelt on the floor praying to God to forgive him for repentance. That was an example of sin leading to depression. But again, depression is not always rooted in sin. Because we see that with Elijah, the prophet. Turn with me to 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19, this will give me an opportunity to drink some water. Thank you so much for the water. 1 Kings 19, verse 4. And just to rest my voice for even just one paragraph, I may ask you all to read 
1 Kings 19.4 out loud while I just rest my voice a little bit. And I'll start it off for you guys. But he himself... Perfect. We all ended at different times, but we all read it, though. <laughs> now that is, if that isn't depression, I don't know what is. We see here Elijah saying that he requested for himself that he might die. He said, oh Lord, take away my life. Take away my life. Elijah was rock, at his rock bottom here, at this passage. Was this depression? Was Elijah's depression here in this passage, was that because of some hidden sin in his life? No, it wasn't. Just a couple moments before this, he was calling fire down from heaven, facing the prophets of Baal by himself. He wasn't living in some sort of hidden sin. His depression wasn't because of sin. His depression was the result of the circumstances in his life. Queen Jezebel was out to get his head. Queen Jezebel wanted him dead and she had all the Israelite soldiers with her. And they were all chasing him, pursuing him, wanting him killed. That's why he was depressed. It was his circumstances. And it's true, he needed to have more faith in God. But the truth remains that his depression at this passage was not because of some hidden sin. It was because of the circumstances. The point I'm trying to make is that all saved people can become depressed. It doesn't matter if you're a backslidden Christian that is not living right for the Lord or a Christian who is on fire for the Lord. David, King David at that passage, when he was depressed, he was a backslidden Christian. Elijah was literally on fire for the Lord. He was calling fire from heaven. He was a great, upstanding, godly model. But he still got depressed. Any Christian can be hit with depression. Psalm 34.19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. It doesn't say many are the afflictions of the wicked. It doesn't say many are the afflictions of the sinners or the unsaved. It says many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the verse doesn't end there. The Lord delivereth him out of them all. Afflictions are defined as something that causes an individual pain or suffering. The reason why the righteous have more afflictions in their life is because these are bestowed on us by God. <coughs> God wants us to learn and grow from the trials that He places in our life, from these circumstances. And though when we are in the circumstance itself, we can get depressed, that's true, but ultimately we know that they're from God, and He has put them there so that we can grow. David Brainerd, he was afflicted with many things. He had no parents for most of his life. He was expelled from school because of a mistake, one mistake that he made. He had extremely poor health. For the first two years of his ministry, he had no visible fruit. He lived poorly, 
He had no friends in the mission field. That's why he was depressed. These are all afflictions that God put in his life to help him grow, to help him become more like Christ. He was depressed, not because he was an immoral man, but because the Bible says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. So when you find yourself depressed, when you find yourself filled with grief, and you just can't see anything, everything just seems so down in the dumps for you, don't always think that you're doing something wrong, that you're entertaining some sin that you didn't even know you were entertaining. Because a lot of times, it's just God placing afflictions in your life that He's just trying to teach you something through those circumstances. Don't think that you are sinning just because you are depressed. Godly people can also get depressed, as seen with Elijah, as seen with David Brainerd. But the second point here is faith over feeling. Faith over feeling. Many use the fact that they're depressed to, they think that that gives them the right to stop following God. They think that that gives them the right to stop reading their Bible, to stop praying, to stop serving. I don't feel right. I don't feel happy. I don't feel any desire. I don't have any desire to serve. Then I'm not going to serve. It's better for me not to serve, to not get involved at all. They make this common mistake of completely stopping their Christian walk just because they're not feeling 100% mentally. A Christian writer once said, you may not feel like doing the right thing, but you cannot allow your feelings to control you. We don't always feel like we feel like praying. We don't always feel like going to church. But we can't be led by what we feel. We can't be led by our emotions. Now, emotions were created and given to us by God. We were designed very incredibly. And we have, very, we have all sorts of emotions. And everybody, every single one of us have different levels of emotions. Some are more naturally happier. Some are naturally a little bit more solemn. But there's a great variety in our emotions. And God created us that way. But God, but God didn't create feelings so that our feelings can guide us in our life. Our feelings aren't meant to fuel our decisions. In fact, a lot of decisions made uh, when you are emotionally charged, it tends to be unwise. Sometimes people make decisions when they're incredibly angry. It's a common thing with teenagers when they're playing a game. They get angry, they smash their laptop. They throw their controller on the wall. And when the wrath subsides, now they can't play their games again because they destroyed their avenue for being able to play. I've seen clips of people punching their TV. I've seen clips of people uh, smashing their bikes when they, they fall off it. And after the wrath subsides, after their anger subsides, and they have a level head, they regret it. Some people make decisions when they're incredibly happy. Now, some people, they, they love shopping. Sometimes they, they get so excited when a sale shows up online, 80% off. And then they just buy, 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 buy because of the excitement in their, in their, in their hearts. But once they're, again, they're level-headed, once they're cooled down, they realize that most of the things they bought, they didn't, they didn't even like truly. Most of them, they didn't even fit properly. Most of them were just a waste of money. 
So emotionally charged decisions are rarely wise. They lead to regrets a lot of the times because emotions aren't meant to guide us. What we feel, that's not what is supposed to control our lives. What should control our lives is God's Word. Even when we feel off, even when we feel depressed, we're always changing. Our emotions are always changing and always going from happy to sad to angry to jealous. It's always changing. But one thing that never changes is the guidance of Scripture. So that's why we can't rely on our emotions because it's ever-changing. We need to rely on something that is immutable, that never changes. And if you want proper guidance, we need to use the Bible. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Why would we listen to our emotions and our feelings if the Bible explicitly says that our hearts are wicked and that they can easily deceive us? Why would we let our emotions control us then? Imagine if David Brainerd followed his feelings. In his journal, he always said that he felt inadequate, that he felt unworthy of the mission field. If he had followed his feelings of unworthiness, he would have quit the ministry a long time before he would even see any fruit from it. In his diary, he would sometimes say that he didn't always feel an immense love for the Native Americans. He didn't always have a desire to share the gospel with them. And let's be real, all of us can empathize with that. Not every single day we wake up, we have this burning desire to tell others about the gospel. There are some days where we just are very to ourselves. Same with David Brainerd. Not every day he felt love for the natives, but if he followed his feelings, if he let his feelings guide him, that he would have given up long ago sharing the gospel to the natives. And he would have never seen many of these Native Americans led to Christ if he had followed his feelings. He would often say that he desired a comfortable life, but if he had followed that desire, he would have left God's will a long time ago. His incredible ministry would have not, been, would have not existed if he had followed his feelings, but he instead followed God's will. He followed the Bible. He followed God's guidance. And that is what we ought to do as well. To not follow after what, what we are currently feeling. When we're depressed, that doesn't give us the license to just completely stop serving God. In fact, not serving God and ignoring God when we are depressed only further exacerbates our feelings of depression. Ignoring God is not going to fix our grief is not going to remove our sadness. It's not going to remove the pains in our heart. It's only going to intensify. And the last thing, as I close, is the solution to depression. What differentiates unsaved people and saved people during times of depression is what we run to for relief. When unsaved people are depressed, they run to all sorts of things. There are some who, unfortunately, their coping mechanisms are alcohol and drugs. They have no one in their lives, and the only way for them to escape their present pains is to grab a bottle, smoke a joint, grab whatever other drugs they can find. 
And that moment of high is what they are searching for. That's all they want so that they can escape their present pains. And that's what they run off to. And it's unfortunate because it just continues this cycle of destruction. The more they get depressed, the more they, uh, they abuse these substances, and the more they abuse these substances, it only intensifies their depression, and they can never get out of it. Some people, when they're depressed, they run to uh, other forms of escapism. They watch movies. They play games. They read books. They do things that will take them out of, this, out of reality and put them in a, in a completely different world. And they do this so they can forget about their own problems. And that's how they run off for depression. But just because you can escape your problems temporarily, when you close that book, when you shut off that TV, when you log out of that game, guess what's going to be welcoming you back? Your depression. Your painful circumstances. You've only escaped them temporarily. It hasn't gone away. Some people, they run to the mall when they're depressed. They, sh- they buy, buy, buy. They keep buying clothes. They keep buying equipment and tech to try and make themselves happy again. But all of these things just provide temporary relief. It doesn't fix the problem. And some of these, those things are not, are not, are, are not really problems. Those forms of escapism like movies, games, and books, are, they're not evil. Going to the mall is not an evil thing. Shopping is not an evil thing. But the point remains that they are not going to solve your depression. Ignoring your depression and distracting yourself from the fact that you are struggling with things is not going to solve it. Unsaved people, you can't blame them because often those are the only things that they can run towards. But we have someone that we can run towards that they don't have access to. We have God, the Comforter, the one who gives us peace. We can run to Him for relief and comfort. And ultimately, He can expel the depression in our lives. Now, I'm someone who, have, who has gone through seasons of depression myself, from different issues, from different causes. I've been in many bouts of depression where I didn't want any part of any, with anybody. I, just wanted to, I always locked myself in my room. Even when I was in public, I would close my, my mind to anybody else. People could be talking to me and I would just not be listening to them. I would just be in my own world, grieving, internally weeping. And I would not be listening to the Lord. The reason why it took me so long to defeat depression was because I closed my mind off the Lord, towards the Lord. And I was listening to the devil's lies. When you close your ears to God, guess who's going to start speaking on the other end? It's going to be the devil speaking lies in your ear. And I decided to believe the devil's lies. I ignored God's promises that he would always be with me and I believed the devil's lies. And that's why the depression took so long to conquer. But again, as I read this verse that we started off with, the righteous cry and the Lord heareth. Don't be ashamed when you feel depressed. Don't be ashamed that you are feeling some sort of grief. Because we all, it's a natural thing. Life is difficult. But take your pains and take them to God. He will hear you. He, deliver, he will deliver you from those troubles. And He will save you from those problems. A common mistake, again, is to throw a pity party. To focus on 
all of your hardships, to just focus on your problems. But self-pity doesn't, revol- doesn't resolve depression. Again, it only amplifies it. The more you focus on your problems, the more those problems will seem bigger than they really are. And soon enough, they've been elevated to such an extent that now it's completely blown out of proportion. Don't focus on the problems, but focus on the one who can solve and help you overcome those problems. And I know it's easier said than done. I'm not going to stand here and say that I've lived a life of a difficult life. I've lived a very comfortable life for the most part. Many of you here have lived much, much, much harder lives than I have. So it is easier said than done, but I believe the Word. I believe the Bible. And even if I've never faced the problems that you guys have had to face, the situations that you guys have had to overcome, I still believe God's Word when He says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. The key to depression, to solving depression, is to not focus on your problems, but to go to God and give Him your problems. And He will unload your burdens. As a way of conclusion, David Brainerd, he continued to serve God even when he felt depressed and even when he felt lonely. But because he chose not to quit and because he chose to trust God instead, he was able to influence and inspire a host of Christians for ages to come. Even to this day, his testimony has encouraged suffering Christians everywhere. We can look to him and say, look at the difficult life that he had to go through. Look at the circumstances that he had to live in. But yet he kept going and serving God. Do not let Satan ever use your sadness, your depression, or your grief to get you to quit the Christian race. Follow God by faith and not by sight or by your feeling. And commit today to keep serving God despite your circumstances. Let's pray. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word. Thank you.